Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today, I want to introduce you to my new friend, Michelle Rayburn. She lives in Wisconsin, where I was born. Uh, good roots there. And uh, so she's so talented. And I'm glad I met her because I'll probably be accessing some of your talents, Michelle. But uh, she runs a podcast called Life Repurposed, which I don't know, it just suits everything about um, my life. I like to repurpose recipes and repurpose furniture from thrift stores. And of course, our lives are repurposed every day by God, by how he uses uh, what we go through. So Michelle, tell us a little bit, first of all, about your family, and then your ministry, perhaps, and uh, some of the services that you do offer. Oh, thank you for having me, Sue. Sure. So a little bit about my ministry. I actually started out as a trash to treasure blogger. Oh. And so there wasn't really a ministry element to it at all. I started hmm. out sharing garage sale finds and before and after pictures, and I would paint things and I would share those all on there. And I grew a pretty big following as a blogger that way. And then realized, I don't know where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. And so I was asking God, you know, like, give me something else besides just inspiring people with before and after projects. And he really showed me that our life is a before and after project that he does on us. So I started to speak for women's groups and started to show these garage sale finds and then move into a message talking about how God repurposes us and how our scars are part of our story. So that's really how my ministry as a speaker and a writer got started. Can I ask you a You also question. said, tell me a little. Well, let me yes. ask you a question on that first. So when you started, I just love it that it came from something you enjoyed doing and it came into something yeah. more, more uh, purposeful, perhaps for legacy. Um, how can I ask, how old were you the first time you spoke on that around I was in my thirties, I think, okay. because it's been, I'm 51 now yeah. and it's been about 20 years that I've been writing and speaking. I think I was blogging probably in my early thirties. Okay. All right. And, um, can you give us an example of, uh, a piece that you showed as a sample when you were speaking, like this has this quality and now it changed to this quality. Can you remember an, an example from oh, the early talk? I have so many. So I did a this lot one. with windows because we replaced the windows on our house. And so I took the old wooden paned windows and, um, some of them I had put scrapbook paper on the back and then used vinyl lettering or painted something on the front. I had something portable that I would take, even if I'd fly somewhere was a cheese grater that like an old rusty stand up yeah. cheese grater. And I would put a candle inside and use it as a luminary. What a great and idea. I so then that, that. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I had it on my mantle and people would come over and ask why I had a cheese grater there until I lit the candle. But <laughs> When I was talking that also, you know, there's so many spiritual lessons, the light shining through and all that kind of thing. So that was one, um, I used to take old pie tins and muffin tins and paint little things on them. So I, you know, there are a lot of things that were portable that I could take with me. And then some are bigger, like I did some slideshows of furniture, things that I had transformed. How fun. I bet those talks were so well received because 
Number one, women love to see how they can repurpose their own things mm -hmm. and decorate beautifully, but they also have all suffered. We've all suffered some right. disappointment, some disillusionment, some expectation that was not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Let's go back, uh, describe your family uh, right now, and then we'll get into legacy questions. Yeah, so it actually ties into the blogging part because in my 30s, I was a stay-at-home mom with two young boys, and now they're grown up and they're married and a week ago, we had our first granddaughter born. So after having raised two sons and then bringing two daughters-in-law into the mix, we evened the score for the first time where I had been outnumbered for all these years and suddenly we're one up because yeah. I have a granddaughter. Yay. That's wonderful. So what's her yeah. name? What's her name? Emery. Emery, but I spelled Emma, like Emma and Marie blended together. Wow. And it has some significance for one of her grandmothers. And then her middle name also is for another grand or great grandmother. So Wonderful. yeah. Congratulations. I'll try not to Thank be jealous. <clears throat> um, someday, my girl say someday. So uh, you are also a freelance writer. You're a copy editor. Is that right? What yes. are some services that you offer? Yeah. So I'm a freelance writer. I write my own books, but I also help people write theirs. So I'm a ghostwriter too. And then as an editor, I edit books mostly for Christian authors and mm -hmm. some, some of them keep coming back. Like I've been editing a series of Bible commentaries for a missionary that has hired me to do that. Wonderful. So that's really fun to have that. And then I do some book design. So I do book covers and interiors for Christian authors that are publishing their own books. Wonderful. Wonder, what a service. And you're so talented, artistic Thank and you. brainy. I like that. Artistic, brainy, and then also you like to talk So because you have a podcast. Thank but um, we met on the introvert, the power of an introvert a launch team by Holly Gerth. And yes. you just told me that you were an introvert uh, and yet you like to podcast. So how does that combine? Yes. How does that combine? So actually the book... I, I'm reading through it, I'm still not finished reading her book, but it explains some of the way it works with um, introvert and extrovert isn't necessarily how much we talk or even how outgoing we are, but how we process information mm -hmm. and how we energize. So she explains it as how introverts have a finer net where more of the details around them are caught in that net. And extroverts have, you know, think about a colander when you're draining pasta, you know, it's like bigger openings and so more filters through. And so they can handle more mm. because they can release the details and they go. So mm. an introvert is somebody who becomes more overwhelmed by all of those details if they spend too much time with people because they're perceiving <clears throat> things around them. So um, I'm, I love to have time alone to just read a book or chill and if I spend too much time with too many people, I get cranky. I just feel, I don't feel like myself at all. Mm -hmm. Well, it was actually kind of a silly question that I asked you because as a podcaster, you talk to someone usually just one-on-one -on -one, and right. some of my most talkative friends, I hope you're not listening, um, are introverts. <laughs> it's like you can't get away from them because they've got your <laughs> attention. And it's like, okay, well, I've heard enough from you. Now let's go on to the next person. That would be my extroversion. But um, Tell me about what you think is important as far as your own legacy, because you've written several books, you're interested in marriage, you're interested in ministry. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool that you're copy editing a commentary series because you're getting the word of God in yourself. Mm -hmm. So what uh, do you see? It can be more than one, even though you're an introvert. It can be more than one legacy that you mm -hmm. are committed to living out right now. I think there are three aspects of my legacy. The first one is faith. 
And to me, that is following Jesus's example in how I live. And so that's looking for people who need hope and sharing hope from scripture. It's with my family or the people I meet, but ultimately showing the grace and the love that Jesus did to the people around me. So that can be I mean, the legacy doesn't even have to be something I know about. It could be the person at the grocery store, or it could be my family, or it could be somebody who's reading a book that I've written, but really faith is a big part of it. Another one is humility and being really open and honest about my own imperfections. I think that's a legacy in that we don't paint this picture of perfection that's something no one else can live up to, but instead we show how to walk <clears throat> through the difficulties and the struggles and admitting we're wrong and just, you know, letting, letting God, I guess, letting God's glory show through in that he's the one that can take my imperfections and make them beautiful. And then the last aspect is fun. So if I were to, if you were to ask me 15 years ago, what my legacy would be. It was honestly, if I can just raise these two boys to know <laughs> how to clean a bathroom yeah. and to do their own laundry and to make macaroni and cheese, that's the best legacy I can leave. Yes. That's so good. And so good. I want to go back to humility. It's not spoken mm-hmm. of enough, maybe because the humble people don't talk about it because they're humble, but it is the way I feel that God draws me closest to himself when I am Mm-hmm. I don't think he wants me humiliated, but through my humiliation, like if I've made a huge mistake or I've hurt somebody and I realize it and God's convicted me of my sin, I don't want to waste that time of conviction of that time. Mm-hmm. I do feel like curling up into a ball and saying, I wish I could cut out my tongue. But during that time is when I come closest to him and he always offers his abundant grace. But I think it's okay to sit in my... Mm, humility for a while. Have you found that to be true as well? Yes. And actually to have my eyes open and be looking at like, how is God changing me? And then to sit in that idea of like looking back, you know, I look back 20 years, 25 years to when I was in my mid twenties, right after I finished college. And I wish I could just go back and undo it because Mm. I, I don't like the, the me that I was back then when I look back, but I have to sit in that and realize that's part of the process too. And so just being able to say, I wasn't perfect then, I'm not perfect now. To me, that is part of the legacy of, okay, there are things we wish we could undo. Mm, That's so true. I hate to live in uh, regret. I don't think Mm -hmm. God wants us to live in regret, but he does want me to live in reality. Mm -hmm. I like to say that most of the world's problems would be, uh, at least alleviated if we would uh, have an accurate picture of him, his holiness, God's holiness. Yes. And an accurate picture of ourselves, our neediness. Yes. And don't you see that the, as a podcaster and t- as a speaker, you find online that people are always promoting that as women, we need to be strong and we need to show off our, our strength and we need to not show anybody that we need them at all. And to me, that's just a little countercultural to the biblical um, the way God wants me to live and how I can feel close to him. Do you find that to be true? I I agree. There is a lot about our culture that goes against really the biblical example, even Jesus's example. But looking back, here's the, the pivotal point is when there was a point in my life when I thought that 
the world would all be right if everybody could just do things the way I did them. <laughs> so that's the example of how the transformation comes in the humbling of like when you realize that's not the point of it at all. The point of it is if we could live by Jesus's example, if we could live with the Bible as a guide, it might be upside down from the way our culture does it, but that's the transformation process that God does in us when we surrender our lives to him. So I knew hmm. the Lord from the time I was a little girl. I had accepted Christ when I was I don't know, five or six years old in Sunday school class, but it wasn't until I got into my late twenties, early thirties, when I think the true transformation started to, to happen. Why is that you think? I think it's because I lived for so long based on what I knew from the tradition of church. And so even though I was involved in teaching Sunday school and speaking for women's events, and I had already started some of that in my late twenties, it wasn't until God really gripped me to say, why do you believe what you believe and how does this affect your life? Then I realized, well, I'm just living based on knowledge and not on transformation. And so it was really listening to the voice of God. There wasn't a, an event that shook up your faith or that made you say, uh, Michelle, you really are a hypocrite or was there anything like that that you can pinpoint? I can't think of an event. I think it's just for me a process mm -hmm. of you know, one thing at a time, it's almost like peeling layers off where the first layer was when I became a parent and all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking about the next generation and that made my faith more real of like, well, what do I want my kids to know? And then moving, um, leaving a community that we lived in so that my husband could pursue a new job in camp ministry just uprooted our whole family, brought us to a different place. So then we had to, you know, start with a new church, all of that. And every time there's a change like that in my life, it makes me question and ask God, what are you doing? And really press into him and, and depend on him. So I feel like it's through each challenge and trial that he gradually peeled the layers away and, and he's still doing it. It's still happening. I relate to that. And I think um, this is, these words are comfort for those who are listening, who are perhaps facing a change. Uh, I say I like change. I would move across the street if I like their house better, which I don't. <laughs> but when I'm faced with a change that's out of my control, all of a sudden I think that I resist it just like the normal person, you know? And yet when we relax, into, it's almost like relaxing when we're learning to uh, float on our backs and God's holding us up in the water, that we really allow him to make that transformation. Mm -hmm. You keep using that word transformation. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And well, I think it just... If someone is listening right now, go, boy, I want to be transformed. I want to lose 30 pounds. I want to <laughs> stop yelling at my dog. I want to be nicer to my kids and my husband. I need transformation. Michelle, help me. What would you say? I'd say transformation is the process of surrendering to God and letting him make some sort of change in us versus me trying to make it. Because for a long time, I tried to be the one, like you said, in control. And so change is great when it comes to rearranging my furniture at home. I love that. You know? I do too. <laughs> I love to rearrange, but I'm in control. 
But oh. as soon as change involves God being in control, it's uncomfortable. I don't know where we're going with it. I don't know what he's trying to do. So transformation is that process of surrendering and saying, okay, Lord, I know you're trying to change something in me. And I don't know what that is, but I'm, I'm going to let you direct the process. So if that involves yelling at my kids, I've been in that place before. The transformation comes not in always that, you know, it's not that I'm never going to yell at my kids again. It's what do I do with it when it happens? And it happens less and less often, the more God changes me. But the idea is that, you know, it's like, do I apologize to my kids? Do I stop and pray and ask God to change this frustration in me? Or do I dig in and say, well, they had it coming anyway. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like the attitude. Yeah. And so I ask him, change my attitude, Lord, change my attitude. And, you know, it's like, we, we want to break the cycle of previous generation. And I love my mom, but my mom has a really hard time admitting when she's wrong. Mm -hmm. So for me, breaking the cycle is saying, okay, Lord, I don't like admitting I'm wrong either, but show me how to do it because I know I need to do that. Mm -hmm. I know that this has to change in me. And then I can look back and say, yeah, I'm not who I was before. Mm -hmm. That's I, the transformation. I, what I hear you saying is that we really, the biggest gift we can give ourselves and to the world is an awareness an awareness that we have failed and that we need help. And I mean, I think different things cause us to become aware. Like our internet was gone for the last 24 hours. That kind of shook my uh, well-being. And I thought, oh, but for me to ask in that, Lord, what are you changing in me? I think mm -hmm. that is uh, brilliant. And that's a, it's something that we can hold on to. I never like to speak and leave women without any go-to steps you know we don't just leave them with inspiration oh lord i need to change but we what could we do well maybe the first step is lord make me more aware of my, what needs changing mm -hmm. and i don't think he's going to answer that prayer as fast as we'd like it because i wouldn't be able to handle how much i need changing mm -hmm. you know he's so gracious <laughs> I don't, don't give me the list all at once yeah, lord yeah, do it one thing at yeah, a time please yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't give me a fire hose of my sin Give me uh, an inkling, a, tr a trickle down of, boy, I really blew it here and I need to be better. What do you think about that? Yeah. So I think that's the first step is being willing to ask that question. Mm -hmm. So that's hard even for some people to say, you know, Lord, change me or Lord, show me what the next step is. It's hard. So I think that's, we have to start at the base of like being willing. I, I would agree. And it reminds me of that author who's now with Jesus. I'm pretty sure Evelyn Christensen wrote a book called Lord Change Me. And I used to call it, no, it's called Lord Change My Husband. Yeah. <laughs> but all the women could, when I would say that, people who could relate to Right. Because we think, right. oh, well, you know, obviously I'm right. And he's the one who needs to change me. And now I see my adult daughters thinking the same thing about me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we all need to grow. Um, what obstacles or changes do you feel like you had to make till you got to this point where you wanted to pass on this legacy of faith, humility, and fun? One of the obstacles is that I'm a stubborn person. And so I don't want to have to admit that there's something that needs to change in me. So that was like the biggest obstacle. And um, sometimes it's just 
reading something that suddenly clicks that didn't before. And so even though I can't pinpoint a moment when, you know, I can't give you a day when, yes, this is when the change occurred. I do remember reading the story of the Pharisee and the publican in, I think it's Luke 18. And just, you know, it introduces like the introductory line to that passage is like Jesus telling people who um, thought they were holier than thou, essentially, I'm just paraphrasing scripture there, but this idea of looking over at somebody else and then um, the Pharisee is thanking the Lord that he's not like that person. And that was eye-opening to me to realize that in that story, I was that Pharisee that was pointing to other people and you know, feeling righteous and saying, Lord, thank you so much. I'm not like that person. Thank you so much, Lord, that I didn't do those things. And then I suddenly realized that um, I have nothing to say as a speaker or as a writer to people anymore until I realize I'm that Pharisee and God has to take that pride away. And I have to see myself as on the same plane as any other person who sins because God doesn't grade me based on that. And so that self-righteous attitude was one of the biggest changes that God made and remove that obstacle, I think, to take the next step. May every politician get that same (laughs) scripture in their devotions this week. Anyway, uh, or true for all of us, that's for sure. That's a great one. Do you have any um, closing wisdom? I know you've written a book on marriage, which has a cute title. Would you refer? Tell us the title of your book. Oh, it's called Classic Marriage, Staying in Love as Your Odometer Climbs. My and husband and I- a classic car. <laughs> yeah, we worked on it together. My husband loves classic trucks and fixing up cars. Hmm. And I wanted to write a marriage book that had his perspective in it too. And he's not a writer and he doesn't love speaking, but I wrote the bulk of the chapters. And then as I read them to him, he gave me his commentary. So throughout the book, his little speech balloons are included. And so it's, it gives actually a really uh, peek into the kind of dynamic we have in our marriage. But if I were going to leave something with your listeners, I think the important thing is to know there's hope. And there is grace for whatever imperfections or whatever things we struggle with. So number one, there's hope that there can be something different. So if we're stuck, there can God can change something in us. He can change something in our circumstances. Even if it doesn't change the way we want it to, sometimes the most uncomfortable change is where the hope is found because it was an unexpected blessing. And just the idea that there's grace, that you don't have to come perfect ahead of time, that your legacy is not one of perfection, but your legacy is one of a story. And that story is a process of God doing a work in us that points people towards him because it's so awesome that we can only say God could do it. So beautifully said. Could you say that last sentence again? A story of the process of God. Oh, I can, I rarely can repeat something again. <laughs> I'm the I same way. It. I was hoping you were better. People can <laughs> oh. back up the podcast and hear it again. Yeah, no, just the said, idea that our story and the whole process points people to God in that it's such a dramatic thing, or, or maybe it's even subtle, but such a thing that only God could have done it. Mm-hmm. I love that, that only God 
could have done it. I, I love the expression throughout scripture, but God, but I yeah. like this one just as well, only God. Mm-hmm. And I recently um, wrote about stepping down into the Jordan River. You know, they, they didn't know the Jordan River would actually separate and divide until they stepped down into it. Mm-hmm. And so only God could do it at high tide because mm-hmm. they, should, they should have waited to past harvest time. But no, they were told to do it during harvest time when the water was at its highest so that we could see the bigger miracle. So the bigger right. miracle is when God does something when we don't expect it, mm-hmm. when he brings uh, beauty from ashes because we're stuck in the ashes. That's one of my favorite verses in Isaiah. Yes, yes. so great. So uh, thank you so much. And um, I think you, you sent me a gluten-free recipe for all my gluten-free listeners. You'll be getting that as I well. Did. And has that made a difference in how you feel? We'll close the, on. Oh, in being gluten-free? Yeah. Well, it has helped me some. I have a son with celiac and, so, and I'm gluten sensitive. So yes, it has helped. And the recipe I gave you is one that I like to put in the freezer so that if people come over or my son comes over, I can just pull something out and I don't have to like think about baking in the moment. I love that. I love that. I do that with uh, chocolate chip cookie dough. I have three rolls yeah. of it in, in the deep freeze, which I noticed this morning. I thought, nope, it's too early for that. But yeah, it's good to have it on hand. I love that. A heart for hospitality. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. It's been a delight. I hope um, I plan our, our friendship continuing. And uh, those of you listening, be sure to go on her website, michellerayburn.com. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. Oh. I feel like we could talk all day. I do too, but we better stop for the sake of our listeners. <laughs> Thanks so much and God bless. You too. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.